There is right in the back of every seat this morning, if you see it, is the track that Miss uh, Karina wrote uh, regarding Elijah's life. And she was just telling me yesterday that uh, this is now being translated into three languages. And um, they have already given out thousands of them in, in Spanish on their last mission trip. And uh, we're excited about this. But we want you to take that. Our children today, back in Children's Church, they are hearing uh, the story of Elijah as well and being challenged back there. And uh, they're actually going to be doing a balloon release after the service that has... Um, uh, It's worth it. I think I don't have one of the balloons. I thought I had one up here, but it also has a little barcode that you can scan and it'll take you to the website that tells you Elijah's story. And so they're going to be doing that as well. When I was thinking about today, you know, I I had this passage on my heart and we're going to stay in the gospel of Mark this morning, but I'm going to ask you to go to chapter eight this morning for our thought. We'll come back and finish chapter six next week. But I, every time I read this passage, I think about Elijah's life and I think about what he said when he replied that it's worth it, uh, no matter what happens to me, for these people to hear the gospel. I think about this passage. And I want to begin reading for you in verse number 34. You can remain seated this morning. It says, and when he, speaking of Jesus, had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Say this verse with me. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you, but say this verse with me aloud. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's The same shall save it. And then he says in verse 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's say verse 35 once more together. We can get that back on the screen one more time. Verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same. Father, I pray that you would take this text this morning and you would penetrate our hearts Lord, I thank you for the examples that we have in front of us. We thank you, Lord, for not only the biblical examples, but we have examples amongst us. We thank you, Lord, for Bradley and Kelly and Marley, Lord, who many times a year go into dangerous places. And Lord, our hearts are challenged I know that you don't call all of us to do that, but you do call all of us as your disciples to be willing to do that and to sacrifice to help others go. And so, Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts individually this morning, challenge us, encourage us, and I pray, Lord, that we would leave here different, that we would leave here changed, 
And I pray that you will continue to take the, the story, the life, and even the death of Elijah and others, and you will help us, Lord, to continue to be challenged by their story. We pray all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. In our text today, Jesus was facing a problem that we find detailed, and that is this, that he has a multitude of people who are following him, a multitude of people who claim that they are his disciples and they are his followers. And Jesus turns to those people who claim to be his disciples and his followers, and he gives them a very clear statement, details that mark a genuine disciple. He lays out these commitments that will be evidenced in the life of those who truly follow Jesus. These people will be faced with a decision. Is it worth it to follow Jesus? Question that you and I are faced with this morning as well. Is it worth it to follow Jesus? Is it worth it to endure temporary loss and temporary pain and temporary suffering and temporary rejection for an eternal purpose. So I want to give you just three things this morning for us to look at in this text and for us to look at the examples that we have in front of us and see these things that need to be evidenced in our own life. The first thing that I want you to see in verse number 34 are the denials of a disciple. The denials of a disciple. We will see from the words of Jesus that being a fully committed follower of Jesus will call for the denial of some things in our life. First of all, and briefly, we see the denial of self-interest. Notice what he says, let him deny himself. In other words, from the words of Jesus, if we are going to be fully committed to Jesus Christ as his disciples and his followers, we are going to have to say no to our human desires. We're going to have to say no to self-interest when those things conflict with the will of God. Let me say that again. We are going to have to deny some things in our own life, even some desires within our flesh when those things conflict with the will of God. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but if you will just jot down the reference of Luke chapter 14 and go back there and read it, we see that there are people who said that they were going to come and be a disciple and be a follower of Jesus, and yet when Jesus told them to leave all and follow him, they found excuse after excuse after excuse not to do so. One person had just purchased land. Another person had just bought a a team of oxen. Another person had just married a wife. And he said, this wife is really high maintenance, Bradley. I just cannot leave right now. No, it doesn't say that in the text. But he said, I've just married a wife and I can't go. We got the newlyweds here this morning, by the way. But what he's saying is, is that if you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that there are going to have to be some things, some temporary things in this life that we are willing to deny. In every case, their self-interest came before their commitment to Jesus. And Jesus says, if you will be my disciple, we're going to have to learn to say no to some things that are an interest to ourselves. Secondly, not only the denial of self-interest, but we see the denial of safety and security. He says, deny yourself, and then he makes this statement, take up your cross. 
Now, take up your cross then probably means something different than take up your cross now. In fact, how many of you have heard somebody talk about something and they said, that's just my cross to bear? Have you heard them say that? Usually when they say that, it's, it's to do with some type of ailment, some type of sickness or some person that they're having to put up with. That's just my cross to bear. And that is not at all what Jesus was speaking of here. When he says that you're going to have to take up your cross, what he is telling his disciples is that this is a literal cross. He is saying to them, if you will follow me, you need to be ready to give up security and safety. You you may end up, he's telling them, you may end up on a cross. And you're going to need to be ready to embrace danger and possibly even death. You see, a few years before Jesus began his earthly ministry, a man named Judas had gathered a large band of of Jews who sought to overthrow Rome by force, and they lost. And the soldiers lined the streets of Galilee with the crosses bearing the bodies of these insurrectionists, including their leader, Judas. This is what was on their minds. They understood very well what Jesus meant when he said, Take up your cross. He's not talking about something that they would have to put up with in this life. He was telling them, you need to be willing to give up your life for me. Jesus was calling for a willingness to give up safety, to give up security and follow him, possibly even to their death. And again, the words of Elijah, they ring in my ear when I am reminded of uh, the dangers of the unreached areas that he was going personally when he said, if something happens to me, this is on the way to the airport as Andrew's dropping him off and Andrew's rehearsing like any encouraging brother would do, all the dangers that he is about to go into and all the possibilities. And that was what Elijah's response was. If something happens to me, it will be worth it. I think of my friend, Matt's friend, several of us in here, this year who had given his life and taken his family to Iraq to serve as missionaries and had a genuine love for the people in Baghdad. Stephen Troel, four children, a wife. But this last year on November the 7th was gunned down by enemies who wanted his ministry stopped, people who hated Jesus, people who hated the gospel. These are not stories from hundreds of years ago. They're not stories from the Bible. And and I'm afraid, and I say this often, that in our American culture, we are so sheltered. We are so comfortable that we don't realize what people are, are going through, what people are willing to do for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus is telling us, hey, If you are going to be my disciple, you are going to have to deny yourself and be willing to take up your cross and follow me. Why was Jesus wanting to make sure that these disciples, especially in our text, were willing to do that? Because as history records for us, Matthew suffered martyrdom by being slain with a sword in Ethiopia. Mark died in Alexandria after having been cruelly dragged through the streets. 
The apostle Luke was hanged upon an olive tree in Greece. John was put in a pot of boiling oil and was later exiled at Patmos. Peter was crucified following the crucifixion of his wife. James was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death with a club. Bartholomew was skinned alive. Andrew was bound to a cross from which he preached until he died. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Barnabas was stoned to death. And Paul, after various tortures, was beheaded at Rome by Nero. You see, what Jesus was doing in our text was giving an invitation. An invitation that you very rarely hear today. A lot of times the the invitations today, especially if you were to see them on TV, they say, hey, if you want to, to have a life of prosperity, if you want to have a life of health, if you want to have a life of, of easy living, you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I mean, look at all these people. But Jesus gave a very different invitation. If you are going to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. Be willing to take up your cross. And then he says, lastly, and follow me. This is the the denial of self-directing. Following means this. We aren't out in front. We're not calling the shots. We're not leading And so if we are following Jesus, what that means is I have no rights to my own life. I have nothing that I am able to just do, Dr. Clark, without saying, God, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? And that's why I believe as Christians, there ought to be a time in our prayer and a time in our fellowship with Jesus often where you say, where we say, God, do you want me to go? somewhere do you want me to go to the mission field I remember the first time I came back from Ghana Africa I was ready to pack up our family and go there and Kim had not seen what I had seen but God did something in my heart in those moments and I understand God does not call all of us to do that God does not call all of us to go to the mission field but all of us ought to be willing to go boy that was a really good place for an amen And it was really quiet. All of us ought to be willing to go. Surrendered to go. Is that not what he said? I'm not telling you my words. These are the words of Jesus. If you are going to be my disciple, you are going to have to deny yourself, be willing to die, and follow my instruction. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, my sheep hear my voice and they what? Follow me. They follow me. In Psalm 23, David, the psalmist said, the Lord is my what? My shepherd. He is directing me. He is leading me. You see, Jesus never sugarcoated the call to discipleship. We sugarcoated it. We tried to make it sound really appealing. But the truth is, is that he calls us to give up temporary comforts for something of great eternal value. 
Jesus never bribed people with offers of easy living or improved health or greater wealth or better surroundings. Like a famous Italian general who appealed for recruits in these terms, I offer neither pay nor provision. I offer hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country in his heart and not with his lips only follow me. And Jesus never expected disciples to do what he never did. He didn't say, bear your cross and I will stand over here from heaven's portals and watch you as you do that. No, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took up on him the form of a servant. This is God himself. He was made in the likeness of man. He took on humanity and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Leaving for you and I the greatest example of being willing to sacrifice and surrender. Remember what Jesus prayed? Not my will, but thine be done. You see, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's going to have to be some denials in our life. Secondly, we see the direction of a disciple. Not only the denials of a disciple, but the direction in verse number 34. For whoso, or verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the, the same shall save it. Jesus speaks here of profit and loss. The question is this, this morning, listen, ask yourself, is our life a profit or a loss? Is our life a profit or a loss? And who is defining that? Who are you? Who am I allowing to define what is a profit or a loss? The direction of a disciple's life seems like a waste to this world. Listen, if you give your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, people look at, at Marley and they would say, Marley, you're so gifted, you're so talented, you have this degree. Don't you understand you could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars? And the world looks at that and says, you're crazy to give your life, to go on mission trips. What a loss. What a waste. And yet Jesus says, no, that is, that's a win. That's a win. That's profit. You see, what the world calls success and what God calls success, they're not the same thing. And so the question this morning for all of us is this, who sets the direction for our life? Does society, young people, who are you going to allow to direct your life? Because only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And life is a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And then eternity, that's what is on the, at the heart of all this. What are we doing for eternity? That's why I, I desire to keep missions. And this is why 
Pastor Fred and Miss Brenda had such a heart for world missions and such a heart for what God is doing around the world. Because listen, God loves those people in those other countries that hate him just as much as he loves us who are sitting in this church service this morning. What he shows us in this text is that no one has ever gained the whole world. You're not going to gain the world. People have tried, haven't they? Alexander the Great has tried. Napoleon tried. Hitler tried. Marx tried. No one has ever gained the world. And if you and I could gain the world, we couldn't keep it. Because we're going to die. What we gain, we cannot keep. Or as Adrian Rogers said, I don't care how wealthy you are. Give the gnawing tooth of time and the foul breath of decay and the mossy fingers of this world time and they will destroy what you think you have. And the truth is we leave it all behind. This is why someone wisely said, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. I like that. Or like my dad used to always remind us in his preaching, you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Because when you and I leave here, it's all left behind. No one can gain the whole world. And if we could gain the whole world, we couldn't keep it. Thirdly, what we do gain will never satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. Oh, if I just had this, I would be happy. If I could just go there, I would be happy. God didn't make us to be satisfied by possessions. God made us for him. And listen, don't miss this. We will never be satisfied until we find our joy in Jesus. We will never be satisfied until we find our joy in Jesus. Ecclesiastes 5.10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. There, this is also vanity. You see, money can buy a spouse, but it can't buy love. Money can buy four years in college, but it can't buy education. It can, it can hire a doctor, but it can't buy health. It can pamper our bodies, but it can't save our souls. And what we're reminded of this morning is that pleasures don't satisfy, possessions don't satisfy, philosophy doesn't satisfy. As the songwriter said, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet joy in heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. So when people don't understand, young people, your new direction of life, when they call it a waste, when they say, what are you, what are you doing? Remember this, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake shall find it. To give our life for Jesus in complete surrender and service, listen, it's an honor for us to do so. It's a privilege to give our resources in such extravagant ways that people look at us and say, what in the world are you doing? It is an honor for us to do so for the sake of the gospel. Oh, you're wasting. You threw away all that money. What a waste. God says, what a great profit. 
What great gain. And even to die for him if called to do so. It's an honor and it is an evidence that we are indeed his disciples. I want you to listen carefully to what Luke wrote in Luke chapter 12 as he expanded on this same thought. In Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 12, he says, I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. I mean, that's it. That's all they can do. In other words, what what are they going to do? Threaten us with heaven? I mean, you really going to send me into eternal pleasure? But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. The denials of a disciple, the direction of a disciple, lastly, the devotion of a disciple in verses 36 to 38. I guess the daily question for all of us this morning that I want to encourage you with is, is what are we devoting our life to? What are we investing our life in? What are we pursuing? What are we willing to give? What are we not willing to give? Where are we willing to go? Where are we not willing to go? Death is inevitable. Death is appointed. And then eternity. So with that in mind, what is really of worth? What is really of worth? What is really of value? You see, the truth is, is that when you and I are in an ICU room with a gown on, with the worst news that the doctor can give, or when hospice has been called in, none of this matters. So what is really of worth? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What good is it if you and I gain the whole world, which we can't, and we lose our soul for eternity? This question is for those of you who've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins. Verse 38 reminds us of the eternal consequence of those that reject Jesus. And Luke 12, 8 gives us the the positive reward. I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, Jesus says, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. And that word confess means to affirm, to declare, to openly, publicly state, he is my Christ. You know what he's saying? There is a public declaration of discipleship. There are no undercover Christians. Well, I'm just private about it. It's a private matter. Let me read it again for you. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels 
of God. Or if you want Mark's version, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Are you willing to confess Jesus before men? Let me tell you this morning, according to this scripture, Jesus intended for us to verbalize our commitment to him. I'm just not a public person. I just don't really share a lot of things. That's okay, except for the gospel. The gospel is the one thing that we should be willing to get uncomfortable about. We should be willing to step out of our comfort zone. Discipleship demands reshaping. Are you available this morning? When's the last time you said, God, here am I, send me. You want me to go on a mission trip? I surrender. You want me to give to world missions? How much? Are you available? Are you willing Being a disciple of Jesus is completely counterintuitive to our culture. In other words, when you and I deny ourselves, we find Jesus. When we give up what we want, we find what is most valuable. When we are generous, we find that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When we stop coveting, we appreciate what we have. And it takes a daily renewing of our minds to saturate ourselves in the good news of the gospel that Jesus is Lord and King and he is calling all of us to stop living for the temporary and live for the eternal. Jesus Christ offers to us a purpose and a reason for living. And it's something beyond ourselves. Hey, I get it. Listen, our kids are growing up. They're getting married. I like for them to be near us. But God didn't call Kim and I to raise children to live near us. If that's God's will, that's great. But if God wants to take our children and send them around the globe, then I have to remind myself, they're not mine anyway. They're his. I love what David Platt wrote, and I agree completely. We are starting to redefine Christianity, he said. We are giving in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible, and twist him into a version of Jesus that we're more comfortable with. A a nice, middle-class American Jesus. A Jesus who doesn't mind materialism and who would never call us to give away everything we have. A Jesus who would not expect us to forsake our closest relationships so that he receives all of our affection. A Jesus who is fine with nominal devotion that does not infringe on our comforts because, after all, he loves us just the way we are. A Jesus who wants us to be balanced, who wants us to avoid dangerous extremes, and who, for that matter, wants us to avoid danger altogether. A Jesus who brings us comfort and prosperity as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. I think that's the way a lot of Christians see it. 
Church, listen, our worth is not in what we own. Our worth is not in what we own. We are unworthy of Christ, and yet we have great worth because of Christ. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How many of you are a sinner? He came into the world to save sinners. Sinners are unworthy of Christ, but of great value because of Christ if we accept his eternal gift. All we have to glory in this morning is Jesus. Or as Paul said in Galatians 6, 14, God forbid that I should glory, save, or accept in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And so with all of our worth, we're not not our own treasure. Christ is the treasure, and that's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Let's, Let's be real this morning. Are we willing to deny some things in our life? Are we willing to walk in his direction even when it looks crazy to the world? Are we completely devoted to the cause of the gospel? And let's just bring it down real personal. Words of one of our own members. Words of one of the boys that grew up in this church. If it means getting the gospel to them... It's worth it no matter what. Because it's eternal. And lastly, are you sure this morning without a shadow of a doubt that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins? Are you sure that you are on your way to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus? What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Let me answer that. Nothing. Nothing. It's worth nothing. If you have a lot here and you die and spend eternity in a Christless hell, it's nothing. And don't let the world define for you what is worth, what is profit. Let this book define for us. And let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's why I'm excited about MMO. That's why I'm excited about what God is doing around the world. That's why I'm excited about Marley Page giving up her life as a nurse practitioner in the United States to go to these countries, not only to help people physically, but to give them the gospel that can provide eternal life. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, this is a hard passage. This is one of those that hits home for us, especially in America. And God, I I, I pray this morning, as I've had to do in my own heart this week in study and preparation, To once again say, God, I'm surrendered to you. I mean, I I love where I live. I love where you have me. I love pastoring. But God, if you want me somewhere else, I'm surrendered to go there. I, I pray for our people this morning in this church, Lord, that we would not just be comfortable, but we would be committed 
that we would be surrendered. That as someone said in our faith group this morning, that we would put more attention on the spiritual than we do on the physical. That being spiritually in shape is more important to us than being physically in shape. And that what we invest eternally is more important than what we invest in this temporary world. And God, I pray especially for our young people here this morning. What a tremendous example they've been given. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in their heart. I thank you for the young men this summer who are taking a massive step of faith for some of them. Getting way out of their comfort zone. And God, honestly, they're, they're a testimony to this church. They're a testimony to me. They're a testimony to the adults. And I pray, God, that you will bless them, that you will work in their hearts, that you will help them to seek first the kingdom of God, and that you will help us to do that as well. I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day.